Welcome to this finger-licking, finger-picking edition of ACDC Beyond the Thunder, a show that highlights everyone from well-known artists to actors, chefs to CEOs, and priests to politicians, and tries to accurately pinpoint just how ACDC has influenced so many lives around us and in so many unique and wonderful ways, including this four-piece bluegrass band out of Nashville, Tennessee, by the name of Hacy Dixie whose linguistic play on the name ACDC originally found these Southern boys some notoriety, a whole new career, and even adulation from the band themselves. I'm your host, Kurt Squires. Yes, still obsessed with this little-known Australian band by the name of ACDC. And over there, sporting a pair of camo overalls to pay homage to this episode is our insanely crafty engineer, Eric Kielb. Hell yeah! <laughs> And last but not least is my right-hand man who captures all the lightning in a bottle, or moonshine bottle, I should say, who goes by the name of Triple G. Welcome, Mr. Greg Ferguson. Hello. Hey, Eric. Hey, Kurt. It's great to be back for another episode of Beyond the Thunder. And uh, this one, this episode I'm really excited about. Uh, Kurt, I don't know if you remember, but when we first started talking about this documentary, you had talked about these guys, Hacy Dixie, and you're trying to explain to me it's bluegrass, but it's ACDC. I didn't get it. I just could not imagine <laughs> what this was going to be like. You sent me a, a link of the performance. Man, I was sold right away. It's so good, so engaging. And uh, I immediately started diving through their catalog and checking out all their songs. And they really have a knack for just reimagining music and just taking all the great songs out there and putting a spin on them. They're so much fun. And they have, they have great originals too. So, I mean, this is a really hardworking band, fun to listen to. And, you know, obviously they have a super soft spot for ACDC. Yeah, I think you weren't alone. A lot of people were like, what? At first. And <laughs> I, I immediately loved it just because I like most things related to ACDC. But we, when we decided to pack up and travel to Nashville to track these guys down and talk about what they called rock grass um, that they literally invented, uh, we got to have them perform two ACDC songs for us exclusively for Beyond the Thunder. What do you remember about this trip, Greg, other than drinking a lot of Jack Daniels? <laughs> yeah, lots of Jack Daniels. I mean, we were in Tennessee after all, so that yes. had to be done. I, you know, I wasn't prepared for the Southern hospitality. Uh, John had welcomed us to Nashville, welcomed us into his home. And, you know, we were in his house for five minutes and he's shoving moonshine in our faces and <laughs> yes. taking sips and, and, and passing the jar. He had probably, I don't know, like 20, 30 jars on the shelf yeah. in his house, all like different vintage and different batches and Honestly, Kurt, they all kind of tasted the same to me. Yeah, it was kind of like a mix between aftershave and some sort of paint thinner. <laughs> it was pretty rubbing harsh, alcohol. man. <laughs> yeah, rubbing yeah. alcohol. That stuff, that stuff would remove paint for sure. I mean, it, you could let it on fire. It's crazy. Yeah, it was cool. It was Carolina moonshine from the Blue Ridge Mountains, and we were like, this is pretty authentic. I'm, I'm digging this. Yeah, he was definitely very proud to share all of that with us. So the name of this guy is John Wheeler, a.k.a. Barley Scotch, after the late great Bon Scott. He's the creator and frontman of the now internationally known Hayseed Dixie. 
He invited us into his home, as you said, Greg. We quickly found out that not only does Wheeler produce, mix, master, and record these records in his own Renaissance studios, but he also photographs, writes, designs the album covers. It's totally DIY guy, which is right up our alley. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. A Renaissance guy for sure. And he was super, super excited to have us into his recording studio, showing off all his gear. His All his gear is analog, by the way. I don't know if it still is, but when we were there, all analog. He had some really cool stuff there. Just had a good time listening to music, hanging out, drinking moonshine. And I think that's when he told us that he actually has a PhD, right? He does? That's impressive. That, I think that's what he said. I think it's PhD in philosophy. Oh my God. Yeah, that makes sense because <laughs> after, after the performance, we went out for a beer and he certainly likes to philosophize. Oh man. Yeah, I think you could probably add like professional drinker to his list of talents for sure. <laughs> yeah, and besides having a PhD, he's also a self-taught musician. Um, taught himself to play the piano, the fiddle, violin, mandolin, guitar. He's a songwriter. He's a singer. I mean, the guy does it all. It's amazing. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And he took us out for for, uh, drinks that night, and he went into this long story about his other love affair, which is motorcycles. Right. When he tours, he told us when he tours, he actually doesn't get on the tour bus, but prefers to ride his motorcycle from gig to gig, which I thought was really cool. Very cool. And, and, and logging thousands and thousands of miles across Europe, across the United States. I mean, he's, he's definitely in, into biking as well. So that was a pretty cool story to hear. Yeah, and one, one embarrassing thing I do remember about that trip, Kurt, was literally falling asleep at the bar. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that? Yeah, we had to call a cab, and he's like, really? Why? I know. It was like, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that late, but it felt like it was like three in the morning. And, you know, he's talking our ear off. He's a philosopher, and he's, he's really into politics, too. And, and not only could he outdrink us, but he can definitely talk us under the table as well. And there was the time zone thing, so... It was really an hour okay. later. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. And if you think these guys are a novelty in the U.S. where I've seen a live show here in North Carolina where there was like 30 people in the crowd, um, Hasey Dixie is absolutely huge in Europe where they play quite frequently to sold-out crowds. In fact, they played over 1,500 shows in over 30 countries since they began in 2001, including the main stage at Glastonbury, the Download Fest, Wacken Open Air Fest, and they also produce a double live LP recorded in Glasgow. So this is pretty impressive for those guys. So impressive for this band. You know, and you know, we had the the opportunity to kind of see one of the classic lineups of Hasey Dixie. Yes. Um, it was it was Jake Bakesnake, it, it was um, Reverend Don Wayne and his brother uh, Deacon Dale. Those guys could play. I mean, we got this. We got to see them play. They. I remember they took us down this road in this like a dirt road to like this open park or lake area, and uh, I seriously thought we were going to hear dueling banjos, and we did. Yes, I thought we were going to be murdered, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but man, those guys can play. They sat down, they pulled out their instruments, and and it was a really really fun evening. And they played right into sunset. And they pulled up in a classic car. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I think it was in like an old Dodge or an Oldsmobile or something. I think it was like Dale's grandfather's car. Right, right. 
It was pretty impressive. Always a story with those guys. Yeah, yeah, a lot of history. Well, and speaking of live, Greg, let's kick off this episode with an exclusive and explosive performance from the one and only Hasey Dixie. Two, one, two, three, four. Oi! 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 See me right ahead of that sunset on your color TV screen. After all that I can get, if you know what I mean, y'all. Women to the left of me, women to the right. Ain't got no gun. TNT, dynamite, TNT, oh in that fight, TNT, I'm a power So good. Yeehaw! That was absolutely killer. You heard it here first, folks, on ACDC Beyond the Thunder, an exclusive performance of ACDC's TNT from the one and only Hazy Dixie, who, by the way, simply pulled up in their classic car in the middle of the woods somewhere outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and played live for us while sitting on a log from a tree that had fallen over. How cool is that? Thank you for that fine intro, gentlemen. Let's dive right into the legend of Hazy Dixie, a band that began in the year 2000 on an isolated mountain road in the hills of Deer Lick Holler, East Tennessee, when you came across a car wreck one fateful day, correct? Yeah, well, on, on, the, on the DVD I, I gave you, there's a little video clip of the story of Hazy Dixie. It's on there. Yeah, okay. that, we... we uh, we reenacted, as it were, sort of like on those real crime dramas. But uh, yeah, up, up in East Tennessee, where we were living at the time, um, 
a fella came driving through town in a car that was a little like that, one of those Camaro things with the Bondo on it. And he wrapped his uh, car right around a tree on the uh, Devil's Elbow Curve there is how mm -hmm. the tale goes, how we recall it. Um, and the tree's still there. But the stranger, he uh, he he, has he didn't make it. Oh. He's no longer with us. Mm. But we got to going through his car, you know, to try to we'll figure out who he was, you know, and yep. see what he had in there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And we found uh, these stack of like vinyl records, ACDC albums, oh. and um, we took them back to the Victrola and gave them a play. And that's when we kind of realized that these Damn were fine music. Pretty good country tunes, actually. Yeah, it only played at 78 speed. Well, that's so. what it played at, yeah. yeah but we've, we've since found out that they play the songs quite a bit slower than we do. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, you recorded the first Hasey Dixie album, a hillbilly tribute to ACDC, which contained moonshine-inspired reimaginations of 10 classic ACDC songs released worldwide in 2001. I picked up a copy, I loved it, and much to the surprise of everyone involved, this debut album proceeded to sell more than 150,000 copies in the first year of its release, which, by the way, coincided with ACDC's Stiff Upper Lip Tour. So there was some great synergy right out of the gate. And even though the critics were kinda not into this new brand of rock grass, the, as you call it, um, there were some new fans out there that were really cheering for you guys. But you had one very important fan in your corner. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, when, when the first record came out, which again, we never really intended to make a record. We just made something we thought would be fun. Sure, um, sure. And when the morning show started playing it, a bunch of record labels approached us and we thought, well, what the heck, put it out. And it sold, God, I don't know, about 50,000 pieces within the first month you know just off a morning show play you know wow that's great uh, and a lot of the, yeah a lot of the press and critics were saying yeah these guys are sacrilegious and they're desecrating rock and roll and all that um but yeah right about the same time the record came out through a total fluke and accident of, of happenstance uh, acdc was on their stiff upper lip tour and so we started seeing newspaper clippings where they were interviewing brian johnson about their new record and he was talking about our record and he was saying <laughs> oh, there's these guys ac dixie have done all our tunes country and it's killer so after they said that, most of the, the critics sort of shut up because, oh, they got to say. Yeah, um, that's awesome. That's amazing. Was it just Brian or were there other ACDC bandmates singing your praises too? Cliff was told me he was. they were playing that in their dressing room before each of their concerts. Oh, Sid, wow. inspiration. They would listen to the Hey C. Dixie CD and then go do their show. What That's he told us, yeah, he said that they had been playing some of those songs for over 20 years and, and hearing the way that we reimagined them, uh, the songs reimagined the songs, that is, made them realize that hey, these are pretty good songs. <laughs> I, I thought that was like the highest compliment you could get. Oh my you know? god, yeah, that's great. There's no better stamp of approval than a member of ACDC giving you guys thumbs up, especially pre show listening to Hey C. Dixie. I always wondered what ACDC listened to before they went on stage, and there you have it. Oh, and as much as we absolutely love the backwoods origin story of Hey C. Dixie. How much of your band history is true, and how much of it is tongue-in-cheek kind of folklore? Well, what I mean to say is, were you dead serious from the very start? Because you guys are amazing musicians. Or was this all just uh, a kick in the pants for you guys? We, we got together, made the first record, really thinking that we were just making something we were going to pass around to our friends. You know, kind of play this at your party sort of thing. Did it in two days. And just because we thought that they were good wow. songs and they kind of lent themselves to being played this way. 
Um, we didn't have a plan at all. We didn't think it would ever be released as an album or anything. Mm -hmm. A bunch of morning shows uh, started playing it, and the next thing we knew, we had to come up with a, a biography for the record label. Right. Um, so we thought we'd make up something a bit extreme. But a lot of it is not, you know, it's some made up, you know, fictional, but there we are hillbillies well, and yeah. moonshine drinking motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're all country boys. I mean, we're not really playing characters here or anything. I mean, maybe slightly exaggerated versions yeah, of parts that's of our personality. A good, that's a good way of putting it. This yes. is Dale's car. Yeah. I mean, we really do look like this. I'm not making up this accent, And I got a cooler of beer in the back of that motherfucker. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, I, I do talk like this. Don Wayne's, that, that is his daddy on his on his arm there. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, tell us about the... We're not making any of this up. <laughs> yeah, tell us about the tattoo on your arm, Don. Why is he so special to you and your brother? And tell us about the amazing song he created back in the 1950s. That, well, Don, Don Wayne's dad was one of the inventors of the sort of rolling banjo style that we think of. Uh, Y'all tell us. Oh, Don, wow. Don. Wow. Is your daddy? <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, dad and a, a fellow named Arthur Smith down in Charlotte, North Carolina, recorded the first original feuding banjos, it was called at the time. Oh, okay. In 1955 in Charlotte. And wow. It was put out and never heard of again until the movie came out. Oh, that's right. The uh, Dueling Banjos, which went on to become famous in the Academy Award-winning film Deliverance, starring Ned Beatty and Burt Reynolds, which also won a Grammy Award, So, but not without controversy, right? There's a big lawsuit in the whole nine yards, but yeah. they got it straightened out. Oh, good. Uh, they had the record where they recorded it and you know and your father went on to be inducted into the international bluegrass music hall of honor after his death which is great but how did he feel about dueling banjos after the film industry essentially stole his song my dad hated the song so bad that he sold his half of it back to arthur for a hundred bucks which wow. is what you do that's, that's yeah. why i'm driving that wow. instead of a mercedes yeah. <laughs> we've, never, we've never liked that movie deliverance much though man honestly we've always thought that it kind of made southern people mountain people look kind of bad yeah. yeah i mean what i mean is it makes us look sloppy absolutely yeah. i mean i mean look if that movie was true None of them guys would have ever made it out of there to ever tell that story. No, we are not, way no, better shots. Not than where I'm from. I mean, I reckon if I can hit a buck deer at 400 yards, I can hit Ned Beatty at 50 feet. <laughs> well, well, why yeah. would you hit Ned Beatty when you got a good-looking man like Burt Reynolds, though? There is that. See, don't believe <laughs> the hype, people. Well, since we're on the topic of deliverance, sodomy, and ACDC, have you ever thought about, instead of covering the song Squealer straight up to make it maybe one step further and call it squealer like a pig yeah. <laughs> or is that in a direction that is just too satirical well that's not that. a bad idea. We, we've never actually really changed much of the lyrics of any of the songs i mean we've never really tried to weird out any of them people have asked us in the past <laughs> yeah. about half of the tunes we do are original we do some old traditional songs what got us started is this band was the acdc album though in, in 2001 uh, people have asked us several times, you know, why you want to make fun of ACDC. We say, we're not making fun of ACDC. Oh, we love yeah. ACDC. Mm, yeah. I mean, uh, I think Tribute if it, to them. Well, yeah, it, right. we were just trying to reimagine the songs like, what would this sound like if ACDC had been born in Virginia yeah. and East Tennessee? I love that. Yeah. And you've always testified that the link between hard rock and bluegrass and country music is not so tenuous. You know, what if in they'd grown up? Yeah, what if they'd grown up fishing and drinking moonshine as, as opposed to growing up in Scotland and Australia or whatever? A, a good song is a good song. You ought to be able to play a good song on a ukulele to still be a good song. Sure. You know, and, yeah, and they're yeah. singing about the same subject matter, 
that um, that we sang about in hillbilly music. I mean, when I say that I believe the Lost Highway of Hank Williams and the Highway to Hell are the same road, I think that's funny, but I think it's only funny because it's true. Only the truth is funny. I mean, uh, you know, well, you yeah. consider old Hank Williams Sr. was 29 years old when he drank himself to death. Now, he looks older than that, but that's because he tried real hard to, to look older. Yeah, okay. It took old Bon Scott an additional four years to do that same thing. <laughs> so, and he finally got to looking good. Exactly. <laughs> Are you telling me who was more personally committed? I mean, if you look at the words of like Bon Scott and the words of Hank Williams Sr., they're singing about the same subject. They're singing about... You know, the, the blue-collar working-class man uh, having the right to go out and raise some hell come Friday night and chase skirt and maintain his dignity, essentially. That's what yeah. it's about. It's about dignity in the face of... I and mean, we're not class warriors or anything, but... And both Hank and ACDC go for songs about sin, sex, booze, fighting, and both feature high-velocity solos, even if one favors the Gibson SG over the fiddle, right? Came in last night at half past ten That baby of mine wouldn't let me in So move it on over Move it on over Move it on over Move it on over Move over, little dog Cause the big dog's moving in She's changed the lock on our front door And my door key don't fit no more So get it on over Move it on over Scoot it on over since bluegrass is so ingrained in your blood here in the South, can you remember how ACDC first crept into your eardrums and how it changed your lives? And because, let's face it, even though we can draw comparisons to hard rock and bluegrass, on the surface, they seem light years apart. Um, so when was the first time you heard ACDC, and how did that affect you compared to listening to bluegrass? Probably the first thing I ever heard was Sound Dirty Deeds. Sound quality, yeah, yeah, just everything. Highway to Hell was my first one that I that I heard back, golly, in the 70s, I 79 guess. 79 or something yeah, like that. Early, yeah. late yep, 70s. 79. At the time, there was nothing on rock and roll radio that had that kind of bravado. You know, there was a there was an attitude in it. I remember the first album I ever bought was a Hank Williams Jr. record called Whiskey Bet and Hellbound. And the second record I ever bought was Highway to Hell. And the cover of it scared the crap out of my mama. And she <laughs> took one look at the cover and went, I don't know what I did raising you wrong. Why you want to support yeah, people was, who are worse than the devil? Oh, it and walked was, out of the room we, and I went, oh, yeah. We, because we were told not to listen to that. That's satanic. Listen to that right. satanic music. Right, you know? yeah. And I just oh, yeah. love the playing raw, it backwards for you, telling just you to the play raw it. sound of just a boogie-woogie three-chord band, man, just... Rocking proper. Well, and ultimately, too, I mean, the whole idea of rock and roll is to piss off your mom. If it don't make your mom mad, it don't rock. Yeah. And the first time I ever heard, I'm on a high, I went, oh, yeah. I think yeah. everybody all across America went, oh, yeah. We want that. That's what I'm t- yeah. It's defiance. There's yeah. a spirit of defiance in this stuff that says, you know, by God, I am me. It's a certain, you're, you know, that, that I didn't hear in any of that, you know, Overblown stadium rock and guys with all their right, that other stuff that right. Was on the radio real pretentious kind of. There's nothing pretentious about ACDC. I mean, you put you know Back in Black or Highway to Hell on now. They could have been made 30 years ago. They could have been made last week. Yeah, they don't sound dated. Bon Scott was gimmicks. very Bon Scott was very clever. I mean, you know, like the girls got rhythm. Backseat rhythm. What is he saying there, well, boy? The one I like is and I like it a lot. Where he says she had the body of Venus with arms. That's a good line, man. People don't give that man credit for being oh, a poet that he Very brilliant. clever. He very it's clever. not a dumb man right now. No, no. Lot of touch too much. 
She had the face of an angel smiling with sin The body of Venus with arms Dealing with danger, stroking my skin like a thunder and lightning storm It wasn't the first, it wasn't the last It wasn't that she didn't care She wanted it hard, she wanted it fast She liked it done medium rare it Seemed like a touch A touch too much Can't seem like a touch A touch too much Too much for my body, too much for my brain This damn woman gonna drive me insane She got a touch Lord, a touch too much How come touch me now? After hearing Hacy Dixie for the very first time, you said that Brian Johnson was once quoted saying, man, it's just great. All of our best songs done hillbilly. This record is hilarious, end quote, which is a really fun compliment coming from our favorite front man. But now I got to ask you about the term hillbilly, which let's face it, can be derogatory. Can you define that word hillbilly what it means to you, and while we're at it, even the phrase bluegrass. Bluegrass is a word that Bill Monroe came up with when he walked on the Opry in 1942 and called his band the Bluegrass Boys. We'd always referred to it just as mountain music. My dad called it hillbilly Hillbilly music. music. Uh, Hillbilly music, Okay. The word hillbilly, it really actually comes from Northern Ireland. It comes from uh, way back when um, guys that were loyal to King William of Orange that came over the Protestants that settled in Catholic Ireland, uh, the, the... Irish people called them hillbillies because they were from the hills of Scotland. They were loyal to King Billy. So a lot of people immigrated to the South, came in through Charleston, South Carolina. It's just technical crap you don't care about. But <laughs> that's how a lot of people in the South ended up here. A lot, most of us are English and Scottish and Irish pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much exclusively. So I think the term hillbilly just stuck, you know. People, huh. It's just like when you, whenever anybody calls you something that's detrimental, you figure out a way to assimilate that term and make it something that you wear as a badge of honor. Right. And how about you, Jake the Bake Snake? What is your definition of hillbilly? I think uh, hillbilly's probably got something to do with the billy goat, doesn't it? People who looked after their goats up in the mountains. (laughs) They told me it's because they were loyal to King William. They called him King Billy. Oh, okay. But uh, that's what I heard. So is it okay for you to call each other hillbillies, but not so cool if someone else were to do so? They call each other that, yeah. Well, yeah, we call each other hillbillies, but if some dude in New York City calls us hillbilly, out comes a knife. It's the same exact thing. A bunch of dumb hillbillies. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) no, I get to be offended, (laughs) (laughs) goddammit. So from You Shook Me All Night Long to Big Balls to Money Talks and Hell's Bells, few bands embody the spirit of Spinal Tap quite as well as Hazy Dixie. And speaking of mountain music and playing live, one of my favorite stories as it relates to ACDC was after the band completed Stiff Upper Lips World Tour, I heard that bassist Cliff Williams, who is a big fan, commissioned Hacy Dixie to play a rap party at his summer home in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, not too, too far from Nashville. Is that true? He, uh, I, think, I think they got the phone number from our record label. Cliff called me up 
And I didn't think it was him. He calls up and says, hey, mate, Cliff Williams and that accent he's got. And I said, no, it ain't get out. Fuck you. It's one of my friends. And I hung up on him. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, no shit. He did. He hung up on him. <laughs> and he called back, uh, mate. I said, oh, no. <laughs> but he, he says to me, he says uh, he wants to hire us to play this tour end party that they were having at the, at the end of their flip tour. So it would have been the summer of 2001. And I say hire because he insisted on paying us. We just told him, hey, man, you know, yeah, tell us where you're at. We'll, we'll show up and play. You don't have to pay us nothing. Well, he insisted at the end of the night. I mean, we sat there and drank beer with him until about 3 in the morning. He fell backward off the cooler and made him waste it. <laughs> he <laughs> hands us like five grand. You got to take the money. You're insulting me. He was having a good wow. time that night. He was a cool guy, <laughs> yeah, man. He really, you never know yeah, what people yeah. like that are going to be when you meet them. You know, I never right. try to have any preconceived notions. But he was just like, just, you know, like one of us, just a regular guy. Yeah. Was it a party that Cliff had thrown for his own inner circle and not the entire band? Was it like family and friends type of party? Yeah. So cool. What a fun moment that must have been. Well, ladies and gentlemen, before we bid these Nashville boys a final farewell, we're going to ask them to play one more exclusive performance for us here at ACDC Beyond the Thunder. One of my favorite ACDC cover songs that you actually tackle. So very excited about that. But before doing so, we must finally ask the immortal question. If you had to describe ACDC in one word, Hayseed Dixie, what would it be? Damn! <laughs> <laughs> By God! Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, boys, it's time to get it up. Play us out, please. Let's get it up right now. Get it up. 
right now. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeehaw. That was awesome. ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast, all rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shazbot Nanu Nanu.